Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. I think the big question on most of our minds while we're out looking at crops right now is what do these delayed growth stages mean? We got to this point uh, by, what, three to four weeks of no rain from or mid-May to mid-June. I don't know about you, Elizabeth, but I didn't see too much too much drought symptoms being shown, but it definitely kept them from growing. Did you see much impact in your area? We've been pretty dry down here, so we did see some of that earlier planted corn wilting for a few days, but with the rains we got here about 10 days ago, they've they've recovered a little. We still could use some more down here though. We had a nice two inch rain in Madison County that held us over for a while, but we definitely had that reduced growth. Anyways, since then it started raining and it's been relatively cool. So crops have started growing again, but maybe not at the pace that we'd hope to make up for lost time. So joining us today to investigate what this means uh, for our crops is Certified Crop Advisor, Jonah Johnson. Welcome, Jonah. Can you introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you, ladies, for having me. So I'm Jonah Johnson. I'm, uh, I work for uh, Sunrise Cooperative here in Ohio. And so I'm their sales agronomist. So I'm housed within Sunrise, but then I'm also part of the Progressive Crop Technology Group or our acronym PCT. Um, and so I support them. So in my role, uh, we have eight major agronomy locations across Ohio. And so as a retail uh, agricultural agricultural facility, custom application, all type of crop inputs. And then uh, I, so I support those locations with all the agronomy solution advisors or our acronym of ASAs um, and responsible for helping train them, keep them um, up to date on kind of what's new, what's coming, what's going to be the the challenge for the upcoming season, kind of like we're having a discussion today. It's uh, really humbling to be a part of a very knowledgeable group. And uh, thanks again for having me today. All right. So According to the U2U tool, which I can link up in the notes if you have, if our listeners haven't seen that yet, um, our April planted corn uh, has received about 115 less GDDs than average, depending on when you planted. And that corn is typically tasseling around July 4th. We at least can see one tassel here and there in the field. And it's at what, Jonah, V9 to 11? Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, that's a fair assessment. So over my travels in the last couple of weeks, you know, corn still varies quite drastically. And it's it's interesting to see the variance within the field. You know, you see a lot of wavy corn. You know, I think I've been, I've been kind of calling it the the sins of what we did at planting that's showing up now across a lot of fields in Ohio. So, you know, whether we had compaction or heavy wheel traffic, you know, what have you that's showing you know, application. We've tracked things back to tillage tools. A lot of odd anomalies this year that keeps our jobs, as you ladies, I'm sure can contest, very interesting, never boring. Do you think it's going to catch up? Yeah, I, I think so. But, you know, th- that's the big question right now. Growers ask, you know, with, with the cooler days, and we were just talking before we hit the record button, how, you know, yesterday here at the end of June, it was quite unseasonably cool. And with these cooler days and a lot of these, uh, smoke-filled atmospheric conditions that's filtered down into the Ohio Valley, you know, essentially that's like throwing a a translucent sheet over a solar panel, right? So you're not getting the efficient photosynthate stored in plants right now because it's the smoke and the atmosphere is filtering a lot of those UV light that we need for uh, production. So, you know, this kind of reminds me of 2011. 2011, if you 
recall that was a year where a lot of uh, late delayed plantings occurred. And when I worked in the seed industry, you know, there was a lot of people that was scrambling to exchange hybrids from fuller season to shorter season hybrids. And for the people that stayed the stayed the course and kept planting what they intended to plant, the corn had caught up that year. And so that seems to be a bit of a misunderstood anomaly that how corn could, you know, when you look at these GDU calculators and you work with your soybean variety and hybrid vendors and you look in their catalogs and they give you an estimate, especially on corn of GDUs to silking to black layer to maturity. And then like, again, we were talking before we hit record and we said, geez, some of these hybrids, you know, depend on what GDUs they need to reach black layer. And of course, at black layer, you're still at 30% moisture typically. And so when we reach that level, we still got a ways to, we would hope to get some artificial drying or not artificial drying, some natural drying before we have to artificially dry it, you know, through grain uh, facilities and what have you. So I do think there's time, you know, as long as we do get some heat. And if, if anybody's recalling that year, we had adequate heat and a lot of those full season hybrids still matured on time. And so that anomaly of how hybrids mature in less time, it's like they know they get triggered similar to the daylight photo period sensitivity in soybeans, you know, when they sense daylight change in which it's been a nice to see how it's daylight past 930, but we've already passed the summer solstice. Our days are already getting shorter already, even though we just feel like we just finally got the summertime. So I do think they're going to catch up soybeans as well. Soybeans are very short this year. Uh, the biggest I've seen was probably just, you know, mid-calf, what trifolia, maybe six or seven, but everything's small this year. But I, I do I do have positive feelings that the crop will catch up. That's good because we were looking at that calculator and seeing that black layer date intermingling with our typical early frost dates can can cause a little little nervousness because um, we know last year we were really concerned about frost coming before black layer do you see that potentially being a concern this year i think when you look at long-term weather history they'll dictate that typically frost in ohio as a general i guess synopsis for ohio is what the 15th of october or maybe a little less than that in northern ohio later than that in southern ohio and you know we always get concerned that there's not going to be egg crop at all. But, you know, even if you go back to everybody that remembers 1988, you know, that, that was probably worse than 2012. But nevertheless, we, there was still a crop produce. Maybe not been 100% potential, but there was still a crop produce. So I, I have positive feelings going forward this summer. Yeah, that's interesting you bring up 88 because both in that calculator and then in conversations with Aaron Wilson, who's a guest often on here, that's probably the year that lines up the most closely with what we've seen so far. I mean, in 2012, we were dry, but it was also so hot. Yes. So the lack of heat units in some cases has kind of been a blessing when we've been waiting on rains. Absolutely. Aside of herbicides being activated early, uh, the heat had actually slowed things down crop, but also weed, uh, weed cycling. So it's, I think, been a blessing, especially for like guys with soybeans waiting for campy cover and going after water hemp and other pernicious weeds to uh, hopefully get them under control. You know, with the, the, the rains that we did receive that made things start to grow again. And, you know, at least I can talk from the sunrise perspective that a lot of uh, post herbicide applications were able to get made, fertilizer spread and uh, a lot of things have gotten caught up. So I think a lot of crop inputs are out there finally where that really had people really concerned, you know, should I not spray because it's hot or, you know, back to the nitrogen question, should I apply because it's so dry? Should I wait? You know, should I change directions on sources and what have you? So that's been a, a challenge for growers late spring and early summer for sure. 
So back to when we were talking a little bit about harvest and black layer, do you think there's a lot of crops at the same growth stage right now because our early stuff was delayed? And is that going to be a concern if we have all of our crop ready at the same time for harvest management? You know, there's always that possibility for sure, especially depending on how growers spread their maturity risk. And again, I think the corn will all catch up, and but I still think there'll be some variance in because, you know, de- depending on what a flowering date the hybrid is, um, you know, if it's more square, meaning say it's 110 day uh, maturity hybrid and has 110 day flower uh, projected date, we call those kind of a square hybrid where, you know, there may be a hybrid that has, let's say, 113 day relative CRM and the flowering date may be 115, 160, meaning that typically leads to a lot more moisture in the corn. So it's usually moisture management that gets us in the late fall. So for guys that usually take on that additional risk, they'll usually have artificial drying available to them. But for people that do not, you know, that'll be something that to definitely to watch, especially with the potential back to the black layer question that if things mature late, a, a potential of frost is coming and we need to harvest corn and, you know, at 25% moisture, that's something that I always encourage growers to, to do. I realize we try to hopefully get natural drying out in the field to, to save the investment of gas for drying, what have you, or um, taking it to a grain vendor where it's going to charge you for that, right? So, but in seasons like this, if it got compressed at the end of the growing season, it's, I think it's well warranted, especially for grain quality. Uh, and not to mention stock quality, because typically when you get into these seasons, um, you know, say if it got hot again and we got stock cannibalization or what have you, where conditions for sustainability late seasons not there that we need to go after it and get it out of the field so we can encompass it and not have to try to pick it up later. So you mentioned earlier, you know, some of those decisions on inputs and weed control. Um, if some of our growers have decided to back off through that dry weather, um, or delay making applications. What's your recommendation for them moving forward now that things seem to be moistening up a little? It's kind of across the board. So for growers, like if we talk about nitrogen, that was just some sure you ladies had that was the big million dollar question. You know, do I keep going when that dry period set in when guys are just entering side dress and you know guys are so discouraged and I felt bad there was you know, because even some of the guys at side dress corn, for example, the ground got so hard in cases they couldn't even get the applicator to stay in the ground. When the tanks were full, it would go in, but as it would empty out, it would just float to the top because the ground was so hard. So my advice was then was to stay the stay the course and keep treating as you would, because I didn't want the corn to get too large, number one, because obviously most growers don't have that ability to maybe come back with high clearance machines or say they don't want to make the investment for a commercial outfit to come in with, you know, high clearance spinner spreader machine, what have you to address late season nitrogen application or uh, air application, let's say. So, you know, that was one thing that Sunrise was concerned about that if everybody waited for when we got a timely rain, soil softened and they weren't worried about fertilizer laying on top of the ground forever, obviously with the nitrogen use efficiency as a concern of, of the loss potential that was there, you know, if everybody came at once, we couldn't address everybody's needs right away. So I think I'm pretty sure I could speak freely for everybody across Ohio had that concern, all type of agricultural vendors. So for guys that may have missed that or couldn't get their timely, let's, you know, again, go to nitrogen, you know, there's still time for corn. It's not too large. You know, when you look at that uptake curve of nitrogen, you know, V6 kind of knee high is that increased demand for that nutrition, but you know, you can go up V10, V9, V10 and still have adequate time for that plant to receive that yet we would still like it on you know a little sooner than that obviously but you know we have a lot of growers that 
make timely applications. They may have two or three applications of nitrogen just to make that more efficient. So, you know, we, we can hopefully lower the loss potential and increase the nitrogen use efficiency. So, um, yep, there, there's still time. And I think the crop is responding well now. When we did see corn in places rolling up tightly, obviously that's the re- reduction photosynthates there encapsulating for, you know, to grow. And that was the odd thing, you know, <clears throat> just a couple of weeks, over the last couple of weeks, I was doing agronomy trains with our sellers and, you know, purple corn was really big this year in a lot of places. I'm sure you, you ladies saw as well. And everybody was like, what's going on? The, you know, the crop looks great, but it's flashing purple and you get all that sun, bright sunlight and the plants building all that energy and the roots aren't growing because it was dry. It has nowhere to send it to. And kind of like an Amazon location, the location's full of boxes with the plants not moving any vans out the delivery. So it's usually going to go away. Everybody gets panicky, you know, is it a fertilizer issue? But normally it's just a those uh, anthocyanin build up and uh, has, has nowhere to go in the roots yet. So a lot of that's alleviated since, you know, the conditions have warranted, but. I think, yeah, here that reduced growth that we've been seeing, you know, corn is short this year. So that gives you a couple extra days to, to get in there with your equipment capability. Sure does. And then another one, you know, we've got these soybeans that just can't seem to canopy if their life depended on it. I drove by a field of drilled beans that you could still see the ground. You know, weed control becomes really complicated when we're hitting this point of the summer and haven't been able to to get the benefit of canopy. What recommendations do you have for tackling some of these weed problems? Yeah, that, that becomes a real challenge. So in soybeans with, you know, the weeds are still growing and the beans are gr- growing slow. They're short. Canopies are open. And yesterday, these beans are probably... V3 or V4, but uh, 15 inch rows and lots of open space and water hemp and other weeds are still growing. And then to make that more of a challenge, you know, we start to see a bloom here and there. And so, you know, for sunrise, and I think I can speak for the seed industry, there's been a, a big and about face over the last couple of years of all switching to the Enlist herbicide tolerance, you know, program and amongst stack traits and soybeans. And so with that big shift, most beans are out there in list and kind of shifted away from uh, the extend uh, platform. There, there's some of those still out there with the dicamba tolerance. But that being said, you know, you look at that stop date of applying that is through R1. And now we're starting to get in a gray area of how much of the field is in bloom and, you know, is it full bloom? And I think that is going to be a big challenge of making those timely applications if they're dependent on enlists. And then nevertheless, you get uh, the liberty of the glufosinate uh, tolerance as well. And so when you go over those, be- I mean, they all have similar cutoffs. And so that is going to be a big challenge this year, especially with the uh, glyphosate uh, tolerant weed populations that are have been building over the years. So uh, it, it's just so tough to make the application. You know, I always say what we need to keep in mind are those stacked residuals, because even though a lot of residuals got put out and more of the normal quote unquote timing this year, you know, with the lack of moisture and uh, rain events, this, the herbicides did not get activated. So th- we were encouraging growers to to be uh, vigilant of their weed populations because of course weeds always seem to keep growing when nothing else wants to. And so we need to get after those weeds and get them because once we become dependent upon a post application, we may have to do two post applications. So um, growers need to make sure that we reincorporate a stacked residual to try to help alleviate uh, those summer annuals from emerging so we can hopefully get crop canopy and suppress those so we get full crop 
to keep those weeds from becoming a major problem. Because if anybody's never had water hemp before, um, it's an amazing weed species in the, in the pigweed family. And, you know, you might have a patch one year and then the next year it's bigger and bigger and it just keeps going. So I think a lot of growers are probably listening are familiar with that weed species. And we just don't want that to become a problem with growers. So that's why we just try, we try to be uh, as active as possible going out there. Of course, it's just not been in the grower's favor or the custom applicator's favor right now for, you know, those perfect days to spray for weed control. So it's, it's another challenge, but again, we have time, but we just need to be vigilant of what's out there and you may have to alter your herbicide list as you go. When we think about potentially being behind schedule, if it stays that way for another month or so, are there insect or disease issues that you see may act differently or be more severe because of that? I don't know from the inspect perspective, you know, if the crop's growing slow and if we got something to come in, you know, let's say the second generation bean leaf beetle came in sooner. And of course they need heat too to mature through. And we just kind of got through really the first generation two or three weeks ago, I think, you know, feeding pressure. If they came earlier, obviously that's something to keep an eyeball out for. Cause if your crop's growing slow and insects are at high populations, of course they can, you know, depend on which insect is obviously it can be decimating in regards to disease. Obviously, tar spot's probably the biggest disease of interest. And we've talked a lot about the last couple of years to a lot of growers and things men look out for, especially in Northern Ohio has had it for three years and they've kind of become accustomed to it, if you will. But you guys probably saw too that Iowa State and Nebraska has already found tar spot on young corn. So, you know, what does that mean uh, going forward? Will that be a problem? And uh, a lot of foliar diseases are so dependent upon, of course, the disease triangle, right? And how much moisture and leaf tissue wetness that we'll have. And so when we look at that long-term weather data, you know, last year, 2022, June through August, we didn't have the leaf moisture wetness that we did in 2021. And so that was all very indicative of the uh, severity differences between the two years in tar spot. And then we can't forget about, you know, the other corn diseases as well. So, um, which are all important economic diseases also. So I, to tell you what it's going to be, I wish I could, you know, right now, I guess I can't say if, you know, we're going to see any major outbreaks of either one. To start to wrap up here, you know, we've talked a lot about just so far this year, the challenges have been really unique and just keep stacking up. What kind of impact do you think we're seeing on yield? I know it's a, a big guessing game at this point, but I guess what kind of damage do you think has been done so far? Well, again, that's a, that's a, that's a very challenging question to answer, you know, with the extraneous weather events that we've had received here recently, I mean, there's been a lot of hail also go through, you know, and that's not crops back and kind of set them back. So obviously anytime that we get set back, you know, is there a percent we could assign that? That's again, a challenging question. I've been a part of demonstration plots where we try to knock back the crop and make it set it back, whether it was hail you know, a demonstration on hail damage or what have you. And again, I think it's what's going to come up here in the next four to six weeks is going to really tell us what to expect. But I, I still really have a positive outcome or feeling right now of the potential we have out there because, you know, we have all of July and August still, and it looks like we're going to get some timely rains here over the next couple of weeks. And I think that's going to make a world of difference, especially, you know, if we get some more sunlight and initially what we start talking about GDUs and heat unit accumulation, that's really going to make these crops uh, really grow really quickly. And, you know, even though that we didn't have much rain, it got really, really dry. The, the crops were still growing. It was slowly these fields around my direct home that were planted May 20th had 
you know, maybe a 10th inch of rain. And through all that five weeks of drought, it still kept growing. And so just painted the picture that these crops are a lot stronger, I think, maybe than we give them credit for. So again, I have positive feelings for the upcoming crop. So I know it doesn't answer the question directly. I just think that's a a very challenging question. So I think, I think that's a great answer. And one that despite kind of a negative cast to this whole conversation, that, that hope at the end that yield potential is still there, I think is important to to remind folks. And I think so, because back in 2012, I was in the seed industry, you know, rating pre-commercial plots. And I vividly remember a lot of the hybrids that year only were like shoulder high, you know, and fields in Indiana, pollination was fa- a lot of failures because of the heat. And there was still a respectable corn crop. So that's why I could just go back to past experiences and knowing that, you know, there's a lot of things that could have been a lot worse thus far. So I'd say we was listening here, keep, keep your chin up as hard as it is. And I think I think there's still a lot of good to come. Yeah, I love that optimism. I was talking to a farmer the other day asking what he did with his nitrogen program because I'd heard some people talking about cutting back and he's like, why? It's like, well, they didn't think it was ever going to rain again. And he's like, oh, I'm more optimistic than that. So <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that outlook because sometimes we do get down on ourselves and focused on the negative too much. Well, it's really easy too. So, and I always say it takes, they say, right. It takes uh, more muscles to frown that does a smile. So that always sometimes helps. So try to keep smiling. Well, thanks, Jonah. We really appreciate your time. If our listeners want to reach out to you or follow you on social media to learn more, how can they do that? Sure. Yeah. I'd just like to say finalized. Thank you again for having me. It was, it's been a very humbling. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at JJ Agronomy. Um, and then you can find us, uh, our group at pctnutrients.com. And uh, you guys can post a link of my email and phone number if you like uh, on your webpage. And I'm easy to find. If I can help further with anybody, please let me know. I'll be glad to do so. All right. Thanks, Jenna. And good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Hey, podcast listeners. Just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.